Welcome to the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Let's join our geeky hosts on this week's episode. And welcome to another episode of Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. The only podcast where us geeks have a drink and we discuss geek pop culture topics that you want to hear us talk about. Yeah, because we're right all the time. Yes. Or is, you don't want to it, hear us talk about, but you have not given us any ideas, folks, and mm-hmm. we're going to talk about it anywhere. I'm talking to you, user one two four seven eight five nine, and the people from Belgium, Belgium, <laughs> and, and Singapore. Hello, Belgians. Yeah, we love you. I love your waffles. Yes, they are very that, tasty. That's probably pretty racist. <laughs> I don't know if it's <laughs> is Belgian a race. I think they're just a people. <laughs> I don't know, but I just I didn't want to offend you. No, but, but just assuming you only make waffles and they're delicious. Oh, they are delicious. I, I would just take pride in that. Like, we take pride in our fried chicken. Yes, yes we do. All right, folks. Well, I'm your host, Matt, the least racist of the two. <laughs> I'm Adam, the whitest of the two. Yeah, okay, there we go. I was waiting for you to say why you were least racist, too. <laughs> I'm like, but... I guess there's no, there's no holding that back now. <laughs> And welcome to this week's episode. But before we get started, you guys can find, follow, like, subscribe, comment, tweet, poke, tickle. I don't know what you want to do, but just follow recommend. us. Recommend. <laughs> just follow us on our social media at Geek Drink Pod. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Discord. Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes, IMDB, Pornhub, you name it. We're, we're there. If, if we can be, we'd be there. <laughs> I don't think we'd qualify for Pornhub. Adam, I don't want to know how we qualify for Pornhub, because we're two guys with bottles. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, folks, um, before we get jump into our topic this week, let's talk about our drink of the week. Yes. Grab your beverage and join along as the geeks discuss the drink of the week. And Adam, this week we're going to come back to what we did last episode. We're going to do another Angry Orchard. Yes. This one is the Angry Orchard Hardcore Dark Cherry Apple. That so it's imp- sound, it probably is why we're on Pornhub. Because <laughs> it's okay, um, <laughs> folks. Um. Please stop. Not, don't hit stop. It's going to get better. I promise. Um, so this is a dark cherry apple. It's dark cherry juice with natural flavors and an imperial hard cider. And it's 8%. Jesus. That's why it's hardcore. Hardcore. Um, so, cheers. Cheers, brother. Oh. You taste that dark cherry. At the end, I didn't taste it in the initial sip. Yeah. It's not bad, though. Mm. Angry Orchard. Not what I expected. In New York? Hard cider. Hard cider. Crisp, refreshing. And this for, one has a dark cherry in it. For our audio listeners, which is everyone at the moment, Adam is holding his his beverage to the mic like it's a camera, and he's Vanna White. <laughs> I'm trying to get us some sponsors, Yeah, but Matt. no one can see you in your presentation skills. 
Yeah, I, I guess that's... We need to do the camera at some point. Yes. We'll um, invest in a camera. <laughs> um, or so, someone send us one for free. Yeah. And, we'll, and we'll, we'll plug the crap out of it into the laptop. Yes. And use it. Yes. All right, folks. Well, now that we have wetted our whistle, lubricated ourselves, and begun the spiral of... Depravity. <laughs> I wouldn't say depravity. I'd say just, just debauchery. Of debauchery, <laughs> alcohol-infused discussion. Yes. Let's talk about our topic of the week. What are the geeks going to talk about this week? This week, we're going to do um, kind of gearing up for the next big MCU movie. We're going to go back in time. I think one of, the, one of the movies I'm most excited for yes. this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, we're going to go back in time to the year 2014. Mm-hmm. So nine years ago. Long, when long this time ago. Little known, scrappy, unknown comic book heroes made their big screen debut in probably one of the very few comic book properties that were becoming a movie that I had no clue what it was about. Mm-hmm. We're talking about... Guardians of the Galaxy. Ooka shaka, ooka, ooka, ooka shaka, ooka, ooka, ooka shaka. Yeah, I'm not singing. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> I want them to keep listening. You, you can lead, keep going. You but... lead me out there. <laughs> Throwing it to you. Anyway. Subtle. I'll take Bring it back. back. <laughs> All right. That that works perfectly for this episode. <laughs> so we're talking about Gardens of the Galaxy Volume One. The yes. first, the OG, the pre-Crass, the pre, not Crass, the pre-Chris Pratt hating time. I, I don't. Let's not get into the whole. We're not going to because Chris it's not Pratt relevant thing, to this episode. It's not. I mean, It'll be relevant in the third one, uh, maybe. But <laughs> maybe you know, it's like I don't. But I never met Chris Pratt, um, so. Like we only can go off of what people are saying on the internet and, and what we see, and so I'm just sort of like, you know what? As an entertainer, he's fine. Yeah, except in that last Jurassic World one. No one was good in that one. <laughs> that one sucked. Maybe the maybe the T Rex was good. The T Rex had uh, <laughs> Rexy. You know, I was I was very impressed Wait. with uh, the method acting from the yes. T Rex. Oh, she she took the script. And she just embodied that character. Yeah, just became that T-Rex. I, I know they have a name for her, and I want to know what her name really? is now. Yes. But let's go. Keep going. Oh, so, so yeah, we're gonna like we're gonna be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One, gearing up for the third one. Um, oh, I'm right. Her name is Rexy. Rexy, and it's the same T-Rex in every movie. But she lives. Wait a minute. It doesn't make any sense because of the lysine contingency. No, I'm not going to get into yeah, that. Yeah. No, but they. <laughs> I actually read the Jurassic Park books the, multiple times. Well, the first, and I there's only two. Them. <laughs> but yeah, they, but I've her read name them is multiple Rexy. times. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, let's talk about the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One, an all-star, heavy-hitting cast, even. Yes. Though this was really Dave Bautista's big role, and this was Chris Pratt's was, big movie role. Yeah, I think this everyone was else first... is huge at this point. Yeah, already it's like Zoe Saldana, Zoe Saldana, in Avatar, Star Trek, Star Trek, 
then she jumps in this. How many like franchises has she been in? <laughs> at I, this let's point? look right now. We can tell you right now. Yeah. She's been in the Drumline movies, Pirates of the Caribbean. That, oh, yeah, I forgot about Pirates yep. of the She was in the first one, yeah. Yep, Star Trek, Avatar. Um, the James Cameron James one, Cam- not, yeah. not the good Avatar. Yeah. For those of you keeping count. There was no good film Avatar that was... <laughs> we'll see. I about mean, apparently the there's a TV show coming out. Um, obviously, the MCU with the Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy... Um, she's been in Law and Order mm-hmm. twice. Yeah, so she's she a powerhouse? Yes. Um, but yeah, you got Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana when he got buff. Yeah, Pratt, um, Dave Bautista. You have the um, voice work of Bradley Cooper, Cooper and, and Vin Diesel. Um, Lee Pace, who... This was, I think, the first, like, film where I was, like... I took notice of him yeah, as because an actor. Yeah, because he, after this... Obviously, he did the, um... Miss Marvel, or whatever. Like Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, playing the same character just in the past. Yeah. But he... This and um, the Hobbit franchise for yep. him were really where it stamped his name into a lot of people's, uh... And it's funny, like, you think, you look at him in these movies and, like, whether it be The Hobbit or Guardians of the Galaxy, he's pretty much unrecognizable. Yeah. He's kind of like Oscar Isaac, like, when he played Apocalypse. Yeah. No idea that was Oscar Isaac unless you knew. Yeah. And then in The Hobbit, he was this grandiose elf lord. Yes. But, um... But then you also have like this amazing supporting cast, and we we'll get into that a little. Well, later. I think we just tell them who they are now. I mean, you've got Glenn Close, Glenn Close, John C. Riley, Karen Gillian, um, Michael, Michael Rooker, Rooker, who I uh, gotta talk. We'll, we'll talk about him. Benicio del Toro, yep, um, uncredited but is in it. Josh Brolin, Seth Green. Yeah, Seth Green is it. That's right. He he. That. It's it's the it's the end of the thing. Uh, and he, Nathan he, he Fillion, played. Rob Zombie's in it mm-hmm. briefly. Um, yeah, it's so, just and uh, uh, you also have a cameo from um, the guy who led the trauma films. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, anyway, we'll get to it in a second. It'll come to me. But um, I just want to start off by talking about James Gunn. The yeah, and James Gunn. Oh, and you've got his his brothers in this too. Yeah, his that. his brother plays two roles technically. So yes. he he was the body double for Rocket. Yeah, on set. He, yeah, yeah, on set. But he also played the um, kind of Yondu's second Side. in command. Yeah, um, and continues to play that throughout the series, and I think is continuing to be the body double for Rocket. Um, oh, Lloyd Kaufman, Stanley Lloyd. Yeah. He goes by Lloyd Kaufman. I know, but so let's let's get into James Gunn because the Lloyd Kaufman stuff's going to come into more. This well, part. and <laughs> and not to belabor the point home because we've talked a lot about James Gunn, but yeah, we need to bring him up because this is really his financial triumph, I would say, in terms yeah. of filmmaking because this was an unexpected hit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember seeing the previews and the trailers when they came out going. Well, this looks fun, but I'm not really sure about it because I didn't know anything about these characters. Yeah, 
Well, and for me, so being a fan of the trauma movies and Lloyd Kaufman, so pretty much like just a bit of backstory. Uh, Lloyd Kaufman had this studio. They made hilariously under-budgeted... B-movies. B-movies that were very vulgar, very crass. Just um, out there. Super violent, like the Toxic Avenger. Um, and James Gunn worked for them for a long time. He actually wrote a uh, uh, wrote one of their bigger hits, uh, Tromeo and Juliet. Um, but I always say, like, the Tromo, the, like, that sort of like film company was like kind of like a filmmaking boot camp. Oh yeah. And you can look online and watch all this stuff about how this group, they just were wanting to make movies. Um, they were bizarre. They were misfits. They just wanted to make movies. Um, and so James Gunn, um, got his start with, with that. And then, um, did a lot of writing, um, a lot of people don't know that he actually wrote the two live-action Scooby-Doo movies. That's right, he did. Yeah. And they were they were both great. Um, he didn't direct them, but then he um, went on and got into directing. He did um, a film with Rain Wilson and Ellen Page called Super. Elliot Page. Uh, Elliot Page. They, sorry. They actually, actually, fun fact, real quick. They changed her name in um, Juno. Oh, really? Now, 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 okay. Elliot Page. Okay. Well, anyway. Page. So, um, but yeah. So, that was a great one. But the one that introduced me, really, to James Gunn as a director was uh, Slither, starring uh, Nathan Fillion and Elizabeth Banks and Michael Rooker. Um, great little sort of off-the-wall alien invasion film. Um, with crazy body horror and all that. So um, those those are all movies you should check out. They're great. Um, but uh, yeah, he's always been this kind of... I think because of his previous experiences, everything feels a lot more like kind of grungy. A little like dark humor, dark stuff. But yeah. He uses color like really well, and and you definitely see it in uh, Guardians, um, the use of this kind of cosmic setting. I think he he really brought the cosmic Marvel Cinematic Universe to life. Oh yeah, he did because I mean he kind of had loosely with Thor, but wasn't great. Um, well, Thor I think was just like you saw Asgard. Yeah, and. Earth. Well, and the first Thor movie was really just designed to introduce you to Thor and yeah. and Loki and, and Odin, you know. And the second one, really, I think, was designed to set up Infinity Stones. Yeah. Um, which gave you a teaser into Guardians of the Galaxy, actually, when that post-credit scene. Which one came out first? Did Guardians come out first? Nope, or did Thor, Thor, Thor 2. Thor 2 yeah. came out first? Because they had a, a post-credit scene of the Collector mm-hmm. getting a reality stone. Yeah. He that's when the, he's, like, two down, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, so, you know, James Gunn obviously has, you know, being the director, the writer, the producer of this alongside Kevin Feige, you know, his style is obviously very influential in this film and, and as we cover the next one and, and hopefully the third one very soon. Um, but, you know, for me, it wasn't even so much looking at that part of the movie. It was just like, 
it introduced you to these to this first ensemble ensemble cast besides the Avengers. Yes, we didn't have an ensemble movie that was not an Avengers movie at this point. Yeah, we introduced them. We got introduced to you know Star Lord, Gamora. Groot, Groot, Drax, Rocket, Drax, We don't want to know how that happens. <laughs> this, um, this is what happens when we're drinking. This is what happens when you record two episodes and you're on your second one, <laughs> second drink. But you have, you know, we're learning these characters, we're learning this cosmic adventure mm-hmm. and this cast. And like I said, it was an unexpected hit. It was, you know, in the trailer, you're like, okay, they sometimes show you the best bits and the funny parts. And, yeah. You know, what Marvel does well is they show you pieces that aren't actually going to be in the movie, but get you interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just it was just a fun adventure. Yes. Um, learning these characters, learning their backstories, you know, you're I starting wanna, to see... I want to touch upon that really quick. Yeah. Um, though this movie is very funny, it feels also very grounded in mm-hmm. both not only like kind of the... The science of being out in space and stuff like that, like that sort of thing. But also, it's such, there's so many like dramatic points as well. And like learning what happened to Peter's mom and like having that moment open the film was great because it gave you kind of like. Give you a human story to it. Yeah. They're like, if we say human, we're meaning just more like the story has heart. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, Peter is this roguish guy, but yeah. he has this poor, like, this very rough backstory. But he's kind of that scoundrel with a heart of gold at the end of the day. Yeah, no, you got that. And, you know, I, you know, as you're learning more about these characters, learning more about what drives them and... yeah. You know, in terms of the MCU itself, and this is the first time we've covered an MCU movie, so this is kind of a fun yeah avenue in for us. You're, you're starting to see how we're setting up for Infinity War down the road, and it's still mm-hmm. Infinity War is five years down the road in the movies. Yeah, um, and Guardians of the Galaxy doesn't take place in the year it's filmed; it's actually a little bit further in the past. Just mm-hmm. like um, Guardians Two is like six months after this, even though it's made four or five years later. Yeah, um, you start to see. Mentions of Thanos. You start to see more about the Infinity Stones and what they can do. You start, you start creating this little bit of the backstory, the cosmic part of Marvel that's going to come into play here real soon. Exactly. Um, this is the you know we're in phase two now at this point for this movie. Um, really, the only outer space you got was Thor. Yeah, um, but even then, it. it was just Asgard or yeah, and a little bit of the Nine Realms when he was the in the entry. He. he... Yeah, they explain that, but it's more... Like, for me, it was always, like, with Thor, it was more of that grand story of Asgard and Earth, yeah. and the Nine Realms are out there. But this was, like, the first one where it's kind of like the the common people yeah. of, of the galaxy. Ravagers, you've got, you know, Zandu, you've got... Yondu, or Xandar. Xandar, yeah. Yeah. Um, you got, like, yeah, Yondu and his Ravagers, you got... The Kree. Xandar, the Kree... Which, are like, I think one of the things I was going to say, this movie did spoil a bit of, or like kind of took the piss out of the Captain Marvel movie, because that was all about the Kree. Yeah. And, and you're it, like, wait a minute, the Kree are bastards. Yeah, but you but you also have to take it with a grain of salt going, this is... 
before 15 years earlier yeah. um but anyway but yeah. i i just when they were trying to make the kree look like the good guys in captain marvel i was like no they're not yeah <laughs> but anyway but i think uh yeah it he did a great job of painting a galaxy that is yeah a little like it's people like <laughs> it's all like very like grounded mm-hmm. like we all it's not this grand story of superhumans and stuff like that it's like oh that's just normal <laughs> well and you don't have really superhumans i think the only person who's got kind of superhuman-esque abilities is drax well drax is very strong yeah gamora is also cybernetically enhanced yeah um and obviously thanos is yeah but you know, i mean ronin and you get groot who's got Natural abilities, but that's the yeah, species. That's you got rocket been experimented on, but you've also got a human. Yeah. So uh, well, I wanted to well, bring a human up, at this point. We don't know more about him yet. Yeah. But do you think Rocket and Groot are some of the best CGI characters that like make you feel something? I would say Groot more than Rocket. Rockets, I I, I hate. Well, we'll see what happens in, in three because it hasn't come out yet. Mm-hmm. But Rocket, I mean, you get some feels and some moments. But he definitely is kind of almost a comic relief, I think. Yeah. More so than but Groot like, is. I mean, Drax the, also has the his moments comic relief. where like Rocket, like I think you get the feels with Rocket, especially yeah. when when Groot, Groot dies well, yeah. or is, is sacrificing himself. I yeah. wouldn't say dies. I wouldn't say when Groot becomes a twig again. Um, <laughs> that tree had a child. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, a, if you want to watch the seagulls poking my head movie yes. or thing from bad lip reading that's a deep cut from that yeah you get the feels because he's very sad and you can feel that emotion with him but Groot definitely has that like childlike innocence almost to him but also wisdom and sophistication a little bit behind mm-hmm. him um you know but can you think of another cgi character that like made you feel yeah um some of the characters in avatar like the James Cameron one. Oh, the James Cameron one. Yeah. Eh. Nah. <laughs> I know you're not a big fan of those movies. It's Pocahontas with blue people. Yeah. Or yeah. Dances with Wolves with blue people. Or Fern Gully with blue people. But I'm talking like, <laughs> like I think this was one of the first ones where because like normally like you watch something like let's say like the prequel series of. Of Star Wars, yeah, and you see Yoda as this hopping around. Well, you see him as a puppet in the first one, and then he goes to CGI for that. Yeah. yeah, but I'm like, I never felt anything towards that Yoda. I felt more for like I cared more for Yoda as a puppet because it felt more tangible. I wouldn't even say I felt anything for Yoda as a puppet. I didn't feel anything for Yoda till the Clone Wars series, and they kind of expanded a little bit upon him and and fleshed him out a little bit more. Um, but I, I wouldn't say I felt anything different than I would for a normal character in the, in these movies. Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. Um, I think, and we're seeing this through a lens of seeing these characters in several movies. So (laughs) trying to recreate what I felt when I saw it for the first time is is a little difficult. Um, but I would think, you know, really where it hits me for, for not only the Groot and Rocket and, and CG characters in general, but just how James Gunn did a good job of writing these characters yeah. um, and, and directing this to where they felt t- 
tangible enough that I I wanted to know more about these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we're going to be getting more of Rocket's backstory in the, in the third one. I mean, I mean, how much more group backstory can you get? You know, he got watered. They fertilized him a little bit, and he, yeah, he grew knows. up into a healthy young sapling. Anyway, <laughs> um, so infantilized sequoia. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I think where this also is, it it really starts paving the way for M- the MCU and and you know the Infinity Wars and and Endgame and just the Infinity Stone saga. Is you start to see, you know, obviously, like I said, you get the threat of Thanos in the background, mm-hmm. but you learn more about Thanos in general because of Gamora, Nebula. You see Gamora switching sides, and this um, Nebula hasn't quite come around yet. Mm-hmm. You've got tangible feels that something bad's coming. Yeah. Um, and if you if, weren't, if you're kind of paying attention to something on a, this now. Puts things in a cosmic scale, yeah. like the big picture. This is not just an Earth issue. Yeah, and well, for, these were these is just a small group of scrappy young individuals who have great chemistry and yeah, they don't necessarily work well together. Oh, I don't think they ever have worked no. well together, which makes it good. Yeah, I think it makes it paints a good story. It's just it, they create their own little family. Yeah, well, and, you you see that, and especially as you know, and spoiler alert, I guess or. Or Can just we even say that? Jumping the timeline a little bit yeah. in terms of what we're talking about, you see that family aspect grow because then you get to Guardians 2 where, yeah, it's only six months and they are still kind of figuring things out, but then you, you feel the tangible loss of of Gamora's death in Infinity War and you feel mm-hmm. the tangible pain when when they're all dusted except for Rocket and Nebula or yeah Nebula and that was a that's a funny little side question I had is uh how do you think the uh the um uh they decided who was gonna get dusted? I like th- do you think they did like a March Madness thing like we did? <laughs> Not quite but I think they look random number generator I think they look at who's gonna be influential in the next story they're writing. Yeah. So obviously Nebula's you needed her. I think she you needed her for, and we'll, we'll yeah, we're gonna get into I think more Nebula stuff next, next week week because we'll too. The, she has much more character growth in that one. Yeah, and ultimately, yeah, she has. She I think is very influential to but, the story, but you know this this lays the groundwork for that family. Like I said, you know, like I said, you you felt the tangible effects of most of them being dusted or killed in Infinity War and. And then you feel the family aspect of again in Thor, Love and Thunder because mm-hmm. we have them briefly at the beginning, yeah. and you can feel this this family bond and yeah, you know now Thor's the outsider and they're kind of trying to like oh you're you're leaving bye, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm, that's why I'm looking forward to seeing what three brings. Um, and yes. you kind of felt that you know when we covered Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, it was a Drax and Mantis story, but you kind of started feeling. The that family bond and that yeah. family part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they they kind of a group of misfits, but they look out for one another. Yeah, it's um. So Adam, let me ask you this. Then. Okay, go for it. What do you think is the glue for this family? What is whether it's a character or a plot that came up? What kind of glue this began to glue this family together? I think. I mean. This is going to sound weird. I think it's the ship. 
The Milano? I think it is because you put all these characters in so so close proximity and and it's sort of a similar thing that I would say to Firefly. You put them all together yeah. in close proximity. They have to interact with one another. They all have good chemistry. Like each of the actors have great chemistry with one another. And I think it's more the like kind of the how close they are is what kind of brings them together. And like I mean, and going to the like jumping to the end of the movie, it's like, yeah, the only way they're able to contain the power stone is by all of them joining together as a team to control it. Um, so it's kind of, I think it, it's kind of like they're, I think in the movie they're like, we're all losers. <laughs> I mean, we've all <laughs> lost something yeah. and it's sort of, they find, it's kind of, they all have that sort of, I guess, loss as their common ground. But yeah, if they didn't have the ship, if they didn't not trust each other at times or trust each other at times it's more the fact that they were kind of jammed together like in that like i guess at first it's like yeah they all go to prison yeah and then they all escape together and that doesn't go so well but (laughs) well um, i mean it does because they get out they do get out but it's uh but it doesn't go according to Rocket's plan. Um, but then they kind of... I think they realized that, hey, Peter has some ideas. Rocket has ideas. Gamora has ideas. Drax has his ideas. I don't think Drax has so much ideas as much as it's going to be slash and hack, kill, kill, kill. Which is fun. Um, Why would I draw my finger across his throat? <laughs> no, that's a symbol. I don't get it. You can, you can slice his throat. I wouldn't slice his throat. I cut his head clean off. Yeah. Nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. I wouldn't catch it. Let's just let's jump into Drax for yeah. a second. Um, this I think is like one of the first big Dave Batista. It is. It is it's his um, first big venture into because he not was in, wrestling. Yeah, he was in. He was a wrestler. He was in uh, one of the Bond films. Was it Quantum of Solace? Yeah. And he didn't really do much. He was just sort of like villain henchman guy in that. Um, But this was kind of his big, like, give him something. And I think this also goes back to James Gunn. Like, his writing of characters gave him something he could do. And it's the same thing, like, I think John Cena really excels in Suicide Squad because of James Gunn's writing and Peacemaker and all that. Just because James Gunn knows how don't don't come at me guys, but he knows how to make a lovable idiot. <laughs> oh he does. It's kinda it, it it's sorta like you can make this character Oh okay synthetic. no so it wasn't Quantum Solace, he was Inspector. Oh, yeah, Spectre. But his first dive into acting was Smallville. Really? Yeah, he was 
one of the Kryptonians who escaped, and he's got to put him back in the Phantom Zone. Oh, okay. I know The Rock had a uh, a cameo on Star Trek Voyager. Yeah, that was a whole... <laughs> that was a weird one. <laughs> well, it was a whole part of... UPN had this cross-marketing campaign yeah. for them having WWE, because The Rock also made a cameo on that 70s show. Oh, really? Playing his father. Because oh, okay. his father was a famous wrestler, too. Yeah. So he played his father in that 70s show. Okay. Anyway, we digress. But, yeah, I mean, I just would say this was, I think, Dave Batista's breakout role. And I love the fact, also, that he... Dave has kind of... He was one of the big people that were was, like, emphatically, like, defending James Gunn during the... The whole 2018 firing fiasco. Yeah. We'll get into that a little later um, because uh, it, it's so pretty much James Gunn made some so tweets decades years ago. earlier. Yeah, yeah. Or like posted some stuff and then, yeah, they didn't age well. Disney freaked out because people were like, are you going to support this guy? And it was it was during that whole Me Too movement where yeah, and, and he had made these these posts like over a decade before the Me Too movement. Yeah, or and it's just like people that. did some deep dives into the back history of his twi- tweets. Tweets or posts or yeah, and it's whatever. Just, you know, I don't want to dive too deep into this because it, it, it I think it's ridiculous and I think it's part of that whole segment of when it was just a little too much for everything. I think but, everybody was like Jumping at yeah, like trying to attack everything that someone did. It it was, and some people like don't get me wrong, like some people deserve it, but some people don't because we grow, we develop, we grow, we, we age. What was funny ten years wiser. ago, yeah, yeah, is not funny anymore. Which I have, we can do a whole episode on why yeah. I think some of this. And don't get me wrong, being politically correct. For the right reasons, is a good thing in terms of how you yeah. talk to people and and respecting people's diversity. But sometimes I do think as a society we've gone too far. Yeah, I do love me a good joke. Like we talked about last night with the SNL jokes when they write jokes for each other, and they they can be inherently a little racist. Yeah, the but it's the weekend update yeah. or even like the Dave Chappelle stuff. Um, Mel Brooks. I mean, yeah, it's just sort of like there's. I don't know. It's anyway, but, but let's, that's a different topic. Let's get so we're gonna try and get back to it. But I guess so. Yeah, James Gunn, uh, Disney fired him from making um, Guardians, Guardians Three, 3 um, which was supposed to come out a few years ago, I guess now. But then realized that oh, we need him back. And apparently, from what I've read, there was a rumor. And I guess this sort of came to fruition in the opposite way that uh, Kevin Feige wanted James Gunn to take over the as like the Kevin Feige role of like I don't producing. Know how I feel about that. But now James Gunn is the Kevin Feige of DC, <laughs> and that's I I think for me I need to see a track record for him running DC before I would have been like. He could do something with the MCU. I think the MCU... James Gunn is a, is a good director. He is a great visualizer of the story. I just don't have... I personally don't have the confidence that he could run Marvel 
and tie these threads together over these multiple three movies a year span. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that uh, initially it was uh, Joss Whedon was kind of the chronicler. And yeah. We, we won't get into the Joss Whedon stuff. We've already uh, talked about that yeah, when we did the, the anyway. Justice but, League. Um, but yeah, Kevin Feige worked with him and then they were kind of trying to chronicle a story. Um, and I think, like, yeah, maybe James Gunn could be a good like a good person to pull this off but when they fired him and then he went over to D like Warner Brothers welcomed him with open arms they're like yeah come make Suicide Squad and Suicide Squad was amazing oh yeah I think it's one of the best DC films ever because <laughs> it was funny it was everything Guardians was but bloodier bloodier and he had more free reign to do crazier shit but um they so yeah disney backtracked and hired him back for um guardians 3 and uh but he was like look i'm doing suicide squad so this is gonna have to wait um and so that that was kind of i wonder if disney shot themselves in the foot a smidgen because it would have been nice to... Like, I could see him taking over as the... Uh... I think that's where we, we differ. I don't think Disney would have accepted that at all. Mm-hmm. The way he... The violence that he sometimes... Used, and humor is affecting, and it's not a bad thing. Yeah. But it now just, that... I don't we, think... Now that we have Deadpool and, like, the X-Men coming to yeah. the MCU, like, they, they've they confirmed that, like, yeah, the Deadpool I, 3 I, is going to be... It is. Radar. But here's, here's where I think... And, and this is a topic for a different time, I think. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of wrap this part up here. Yeah, we're, we're getting yeah, way I off track. <laughs> we're on another James Gunn tangent like we yeah. did earlier. I think there's a time and a place for it within the, within any universe. Mm-hmm. Um, Deadpool is the perfect example for Marvel. But I couldn't see that kind of hand that James Gunn uses for his movies being a constant theme in Marvel. Okay, because yeah, James Gunn, and I have a note for this one, he kind of always goes for the unexpected, like whether it be for a comedic moment, and mostly it's for a comedic moment, but it's like the whole, in this one, like, oh, I need that leg. (laughs) And Rocket's like, oh, I didn't think you'd actually get it. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't really need it. I just thought it'd be funny. Uh, Or the Mm dance-off at the end. It's like, those are things that... You don't expect in a conventional movie. And I think that goes to, like, is good for James Gunn and goes to his credit. Um, because, yeah, he he goes for something a little unexpected. He always kind of shuffles a bit. Um, and it makes his style, and especially for this one, like, it made everything feel very unique. And, yeah. Um his use of color. It's like everything was so vibrant and then it wasn't and then Yeah. Let's let's talk about another thing that was unexpected for this movie that is I think great. The music. Okay, we're gonna get into Awesome Mix. Awesome Mix Volume One. So I mean yes. and and we talked about this with, with other movies, Baby Driver and and so on and so forth, but this movie definitely 
for me, it really, and I was, a, I knew this music, I knew of this music, it wasn't foreign to me, mm-hmm. but it really kind of put this 60s, 70s vibe, retro vibe back into, into cultural music a little bit. Correct, yeah. Um, you know, you've got... Blue Sweet. Yeah, you've got, well, you've got these classic songs yeah. that, excuse me, that beer just came burping right there. Um, <laughs> anyway, it, it brought some of these things to pop cultural forefront again, and you know... Yeah. It's it it made it kind of culturally relevant again, where you you see some of these songs on people's playlists pretty commonly now. Oh yeah, like um, and I'll uh, I'd be more than happy to share my Apple Music playlist. Uh, it's Awesome Mix one through three point five because um, they just released the Awesome Mix for three. three. Yeah, and I added the Awesome Mix from the. Video game, which I recommend. That that'll be my rec. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we, I don't know how we can do that if there's a way for me to post that link. <laughs> no, but I mean you can post it. We can post it on the list. Yeah. So either way, but you can um, you can definitely find it. But yeah, no, it's the music was such a huge. Part. Oh yeah, you've got Blue Suede, The Raspberries, David Bowie, Jackson Five, Redbone. Um. Marvin Elvin Gay, B- Elvin Bishop. Yeah, it's I just mean, it's huge. Yeah, it's and this is just volume one, and then volume two just we'll kind talk of about ex- it next time expands yeah. on it. But they, <laughs> um, it's it's you, Joan Jett. I'm sorry, I forgot about Joan Jett on that one. Um, Man, forget about Joan Jett or the Ramones. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a it's a huge soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack, but the music blends like we were talking with baby driver blends perfectly with the film oh yeah it moments are so punctuated i mean it tells you what's gonna happen and i don't want to say gonna happen it's gonna give you the vibe and the feel of this movie yeah like when you dive into that first scene of star lord looking for the power stone and he is singing, dancing and using the little rat creatures as microphones and to um, Gamora finally, like him putting like the, the headphones, headphones on, on yeah, and they're and having their little rom- romantic food around and fell in love. Yeah. Um, I, I think, and it's really funny, we'll, we'll, we're jumping the timeline a little bit here when we get to Endgame and you see the other side of that scene where if you don't have the headphones in, you don't know what he's listening to and you just see this weird guy dancing and sliding around and Nebula comes up and punches him. She's like, what a just weirdo. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it... It was a really, like, I think James Gunn really picks his music very specifically. And it was amazing how the music, and it wasn't orchestral. No. They they had that orchestral. And I forget oh, yeah. who, who, did the, who did the orchestral stuff for Guardians, but um, it... It was more like these songs that meant so much to people. Tyler Bates. Tyler Bates. That's I was thinking it was going to be him, but um, these songs that are so important to Peter really do change how you experience the film. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, everyone will always say like a soundtrack or, or like music can really change how you experience a movie. Um, you can have something like from Braveheart. 
that would be nothing without that soundtrack. True. I mean, yeah. But, or, or, yeah, the score of these films really... But this was... He used... He was like, I'm going to pick specific songs to punctuate these sort of scenes and these moments. And the fact that it was this sort of 70s, 60s hodgepodge was not only good for the character because of yeah. like it all came it was all songs that his mom loved um but uh yeah it just kind of stirs something up in you i i don't know how to describe it <laughs> no no it's what, what a good film soundtrack and score should do yeah it and, should inform the scene inform your emotions yeah and give you subcontext Mm-hmm. And the subtext of of what's going on, yeah. Um, without that, without the the, the script, exactly. if you watch, if you would watch these movies with just the soundtrack and the score, it should be yeah. able to inform your emotional feeling to this. Yeah, you could hear "Fooled Around and Fell in Love," and just have Chris Pratt and Zoe Saldana not say anything. Oh, it would have been, and you would know exactly yeah. what's going on in the scene, um, or the opening like with uh i'm not in love from 10 cc yeah um where he's listening to that and his mom's dying in the next room that was heartbreaking and you just get it (laughs) it's like you could have nothing going on like no dialogue and just have that soundtrack going but yeah yeah but you also want all the funny funny stuff because we need to provide some levity and a good balance of drama and comedy which I always think James Gunn is good with even though his comedy is very dark and unconventional and this is a perfect example of it and all his other films are great examples of it Um, everything's not too (laughs) funny but (laughs) A little twisted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. All right. Well, so that kind of wraps us up on this one, Adam, um, in terms of Guardians 1. I mean, we'll dive into Guardians 2 next week. And, yes. And hopefully soon after when Guardians 3 comes out, we'll, we'll dive into that one yes. as well. Um, You're not in jolly old Ireland. <laughs> I think it comes out before that, I think. <laughs> I hope so. Come we can get that going. But uh, May 5th. Okay. On Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. Um, so, you know, um, wrapping this up, you know, I think in terms of talking about this film, it's, it, it was definitely a good departure from the standard Marvel film that you saw, you know, with Captain America, yeah, I mean, Thor, or like, Iron Man. Or like any sort of superhero film. It was yeah, it's your first unconventional. Real, it was your first real team up in Marvel that was not Avengers. Mm-hmm. Because we've already seen the first Avengers. Ultron's coming out next. Um... But we got an ensemble film, which was starting to become now. It's now the staple where you have these movies. Yeah, it's a it's a Spider Man movie. It's a Iron Man movie. It's whatever yeah. it is. But you're gonna have multiple big name superheroes now because yeah. that's kind of the formula. But this was this all was, this started the formula. Yeah, I think you you have a bunch of people who are <laughs> characters no one knew about. Yeah. Oh yeah, and you know, like I said, you've got this down this formula where. We watched Thor, Love and Thunder, but the Guardians are in it. Yeah. You watch Spider-Man No Way Home, but you have Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. You see Doctor Strange, and now you've got... Uh, Wanda. 
Wanda or um the I forgot her I can't think of her name America Chavez who can oh, punch yeah. through the dimensions. Yes. So um, you know I think it kind of it began that stage where we're going to start seeing a lot of these team up movies, which is good because they kind of get more of that universe involved. Yeah, it, everything's kind of everything's connected. And yeah. I think this was the this was definitely the one that started had to bring the cosmic side. Bring the cosmic side and just hard to just let you understand more what's happening. Yeah, um, because if you didn't have Guardians, you wouldn't have you wouldn't understand Captain Marvel. You no, it, you wouldn't understand later Thor movies. You wouldn't exactly. understand you know. Where Thanos, the Thanos stories coming in. And, and was this the first one where Josh Brolin made it was yep. his first appearance as Thanos? Yes. No. Um, I believe he appeared because he appeared at the end of the first Avengers. Um, yeah, but he, but was, he didn't wasn't, voice it until. Yeah, but it was it was he just it was just Thanos. But, yeah, we'll, we'll take a peek here. Yeah, that's a that's a good good little question, rather. Um, um, the first I know he, one he did like he was in a post credit. Yep, it scene. was his first Thanos, and he's still uncredited in it. Okay, yeah. So because I know there was one like he he because he did was, Ultron next, and that's where he got the gauntlet on and said, "I'll do it myself." Fine, I'll do it myself. Oh, um, Josh Brolin. You, so you were in the Goonies. <laughs> he was, um, <laughs> and so this is you know. I think that good setup that we were talking yeah, about. it was a great um, setup. But to... here, fun fact, before we dive out of this, John, uh, Kevin Feige, mm-hmm. obviously producer, the most um, profitable producer ever. He's grossed $28.5 billion in films. Is he really? Yes. Like, He's what, the... what has Jerry Bruckheimer done? Not that. That's the only $8.5 billion. Hmm. Um, I know he has they, produced... They... And been involved in two movies that were not Marvel movies. And I mean like X-Men, Spider-Man, that kind of thing. What do you think those two movies were? They're from the 90s. And they're Uh, actually pretty popular movies. I have no idea. Um, He was a production assistant on the Tommy Lee Jones movie. We've talked about this before. Volcano. Fuck yeah! And he was a production assistant on You've Got Mail. Okay. Those are only two non-Marvel credits. Okay. Well, hey, I mean, he if you find your niche. Yeah. Go for I it. I mean, he was involved in all the X-Men movies, Spider-Man, hmm. Sam Raimi trilogy. I guess some you, of the animated stuff. Yeah. You get into it, you get into it. Uh, like, I'm curious, like, Kathleen Kennedy's stuff as well. But we'll, we can do yeah. a whole other Star Wars thing. But, yeah. uh no, good for him. Yep. I mean, Volcano and You've Got Mail. There you go. And after that, became producer for X-Men, Spider-Man, Daredevil, and so on and so forth. Oh, that Daredevil movie. Could have <laughs> been so good. The TV show is much better. I'm looking forward to what the MCU TV show's going to bring. I'm curious if they're going to keep it kind of... Because I, I think they've said, uh, they've confirmed that um, uh, the Punisher's coming back. Yep. And so I'm kind of like, oh, this could be, like, will it be as gritty? Because I thought, like, I loved how it felt, like, so much more, like, raw and visceral. And, like, they'd always have, like, these big, like, kind of one-shot fights yeah. in in Daredevil that were excellent. And uh, I love Charlie Cox. He's, he's just a delightful actor and... Uh, 
Yeah, I will. I can't wait for more of him. <laughs> it'll be it'll be good. Yeah. Um. All right, folks. Well, that ends this episode. Before we jump into um, the final end and, and saying goodbye, let's talk about our geek wreck of the week. What are the geeks going to recommend? Well, and Adam, you kind of jumped the gun a little bit. That's fine. Um, <laughs> you jumped the timeline on us. Yeah. What? So let's talk about your geek wreck. Well, I guess like I'm, I'll kind of just say like, just watch any Tromo video like those or yeah, watch Slither. It's they're fun. They're I mean the trauma stuff is a little risque. Like don't uh, definitely don't watch it with your kids because these are kids getting run over by a car. But um, I would say watch Slither. It's a great film with Nathan Fillion and Elizabeth Banks and Michael Rooker, um, and it's just a perfect film for. If you're a fan of James Gunn, it's just right in the wheelhouse um, uh, for you to watch. It's body horror, so it's going to be a little violent. But, hey, if you can get past it, there's a lot of humor to it. And you'll have a a grand old time seeing some good old-fashioned filmmaking. So, check out Slither. That would be the one, I'd say. That's my wreck. (laughs) All right. Well, my rec this week, um, we talked about a little bit last night in our game night, mm-hmm. Shrinking. It's an Apple TV series, yes. Jason Siegel and uh, Harrison Ford. Yeah. Um, great pairing, actually. Surprising pairing, but it's a funny series. Um, it's written by uh, Bill Lawrence, who did Scrubs, um, Cougar Town. Um, it's just a interesting... Th- and it's not like a slapstick kind of comedy Scrubs was. It's a little bit more sophisticated... Um, Jason Siegel plays a therapist who works with Harrison Ford, who's running the practice, and his wife, Jason, not Harrison Ford, Jason Siegel's wife had died earlier before the series starts, and he's got his teenage daughter, and he's trying to deal with his grief, and he doesn't know how to handle her grief, and so he's medicating himself, and the neighbor's kind of quasi-raising the daughter, and <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good, sophisticated humor to it. So I recommend that on Apple Plus, folks, if you haven't checked it out yet. Okay. Before we go. Yes. Do we have a Oh, we do. Poll? We do. We're going to bring up our poll. I had it pulled up before we jumped into this of uh, the TV show bracket we did for March yes. Madness. It was Futurama versus Firefly. Firefly. So, um, on our Facebook poll, which, I mean, I don't expect to get huge results because it's just Facebook. our friends. <laughs> yes. Um, Firefly had three votes. Futurama had two. Oh, but you dive into TikTok, and that's where it flips tables. Firefly had two thirty. Futurama had two thirty five. So the grand total of Firefly two thirty three to Futurama's two thirty seven. Oh, and I knew this was going to happen. I mean, it wasn't the blowout we thought it was going to be. No, no, and like I, I didn't. I it wasn't. Yeah, but I. But the superior series one with the silly 
rules of March Madness, I was like, I didn't expect Futurama and Firefly to come up against That's each other. That's what makes it great, though. But Firefly only had one season. True. <laughs> Futurama, Futurama keeps getting renewed and coming back. Yeah, apparently they're no, coming back. No one again. wants a revival of Firefly. Everyone wants a revival but of Firefly. No one, not enough people want it enough. Uh-huh. By a few votes. But <laughs> anyway, like, I... I I gently concede <laughs> to that one. That's okay. I, I do love me some Futurama. That's okay. Well, next week we'll bring up the results of the actors' breakfast. Yes. Tom Hanks versus Harrison Ford. So if you mm-hmm. haven't voted, go vote. Yes. All right, folks. Well, that wraps up another episode of Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Like I said, tell a friend. Let us let them know about our podcast. Um, and then drop us a line on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Discord, at Geek Drink Pod. Tell us what you think of today's episode. Um, tell us what you think of past episodes. We've, we've covered a lot of things. We've covered everything from uh, Baby Driver to Shaun of the Dead. We've covered Zelda to Metal Gear Av- Solid. Avatar The Last Airbender. Avatar The Last Airbender. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. Guardians of the Galaxy. The Holiday Special. Mm-hmm. So daily that was our first foray into Marvel yes. on this. So, but take a peek at the back catalog, folks. Um, we're on episode 35 today. Oh, Jesus. So, Wait, Jesus. We're getting there. Also, sponsor us. Anyway. Angry Orchard. Angry From Orchard, Cerveza, Colorado. Yeah. Cerveceria, sorry. Um, Buy us a webcam. Well, you can see my ugly mug. <laughs> we'll put your logo on behind the behind us. Yes. Whatever we need to do. Um, but with that being said, folks, like I said, let us know what you think of the episode's let us know what you want us to talk about because we're passionate about a lot of things, but maybe we'll gain a new passion for something you like. Exactly. All right, folks. Well, that does it. Thanks for listening, and everyone have a great geek week. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Tune in next week to see what our geeky host will discuss next week. Goodbye. <laughs>